Father, in the name of Jesus, help. Thank you for help. Amen. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We're doing a series called Love Matters. Love Matters. And we talked about how that love worketh no ill to his neighbor last week. Love does no harm. And that how love prefers one's brother or sister. Shows deference to. We discovered that the selfish life is the empty life. That the self-centered life is the miserable life. That, but the giving life is the fulfilling life. And the unselfish life is the satisfying life. So if you want to be happy and you want to have joy, live to give and live to love. Dwell in Him and He will dwell in you. Amen? Amen. We must not just love in word only, but we must love in word and in truth and in action. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to do what? Do we owe other people to love them? That is a debt that you'll never get paid off. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is developed or perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I want you to pay particular attention to those words, we have known and believed. You know, many people know about the love of God, but they don't believe it. Therefore, they don't act upon the love of God. Many people know about Jesus able to heal, but they don't really believe that he would heal them. And so thus, they have a difficult time receiving from him. It's one thing to know, it's another thing to believe. Say it with me, I am a believer. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I tell you what, we are his representatives, are we not? When the world sees love in us, they ought to be seeing who? They ought to be seeing him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. How can you tell when a person is growing in love? How can you tell when a person is walking in fullness of love? They'll have no fear. Because they are experiencing the presence of the Almighty God. Our good friend of our ministry and personal friend, Keith Moore, says it like this. If Satan cannot scare you, he cannot stop you. Amen? There is no fear in love. Perfect love will cast out all fear. And then verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. You cannot love your neighbor Amen. Until you have a revelation of how much God loves you. And when you know how much love loves you, that love can just begin to flow through you to everyone around you. Now go quickly over to Romans chapter 5. Romans the 5th chapter. We'll lay a little foundation and then we'll get into the crux of the message here in a few moments. Romans 5 verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad where? Where? 
Notice it's not in your head. It's in your heart. If you live by your head, you'll be in trouble. But if you live out of your heart, you will have success. Amen. It is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I believe this. When we flow in the love of God, I believe that enough love will fix everything and anything. Verse 6, right on through verse 10, talks about when we were enemies that God still loved us. Notice in verse 10, and I want you to read it with me if you would, please. Ready? Read. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Think about it. When you were an enemy, when you were an alien, when you were outside of the covenant, God loved you in spite of yourself. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. Aren't you glad that God didn't stand up there in heaven, look at you and say, Oh, brother, that one's going to hell for sure. No, thank God he did everything he could to get a labor across your path to see to you that you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you opened up your heart and made him Lord and Savior of your life. No longer were you an enemy, but you became the friend of God. Hallelujah! Amen! Thank God love is not based on feelings. Thank God God's not moved by what he sees. I mean, even today, some of us are still a mess. Thank God he's not moved by what he sees in our lives. He declares the end from the beginning. He sees and believes the best of us. I didn't mean to call you a mess, but you are. (laughs) Just a kidding. God loved us while we were yet his enemies. I wonder, because he placed his love in our heart, can we love our enemies? Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You're treading on some... Love my enemies? Are you kidding me? I want to punch my enemies out. They punch me, I punch them. They spit on me, I spit on them. Don't you know that that's the way of the flesh? And that's the way of the world. And that's the way of the enemy. Amen. Notice with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. We're going to talk about loving our enemies just for a few moments. Love your enemies. Love those who backbite. Love those who gossip about you. Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Bless them? What do you mean? That means do something good for them. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You know, it's real easy to love your friends, isn't it? It's real easy to love people that are lovable. But how about loving your enemies? How about loving people that have talked about you? You know, as a pastor, I know what it's like for people to talk about you. And I'm not dealing with any current situation, so don't sweat it. I'm bigger than that. I don't deal with problems through the pulpit. If I got something to you, I'll say it to your face. You want to say it? <laughs> but you understand this. That pastors can be as fleshly as you are. Have you ever felt like just punching somebody? I have. But thank God the love of God constrains you. Walking in the Spirit 
always trumps walking in the flesh. Are you listening to me? And so you need to understand this, that we are not fighting with men. We are not fighting with brothers. We are not fighting with other sisters. Our warfare is not in the flesh. It's in the realm of the spirit. So if we're going to deal with problems, we must deal with them according to God's ways, God's method of operation, which is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And you will find that in this individual situation of your enemies, it always is best to bless them. It is always best to do good to them. It's always best to pray for them. Now, Martin Luther King said this. I love this quote. He says, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. That's a powerful statement. But Jesus said, pray for them. Send them a card. Buy them a birthday gift. Visit them in the hospital. Do something good for people. And you will see that God will begin to turn those situations around. Romans says it like this. Bless those that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Then he says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Peter addresses it like this. He says, never return evil for evil or insult for insult, scolding, tongue lashing and berating. But on the contrary, blessing, praying for their welfare, happiness and protection. That you yourself might receive a blessing from God. How many of you love life and enjoy life? I love life. I love everything about life. I am crazy about my wife. I love this church. I love, I love life. I love coffee. I'm enjoying life. I want to live long. I want to live strong. Amen. I want to be like Job who died in his good old age, full of years and full of days. How about you? Do you want to really live? Peter gives us a clue. For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, let him keep his tongue free from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Listen, there comes a time time in our lives where we just have to release people to the Lord and not take matters into our own hands. There was a young preacher whose member was talking about him and he said, I'm going to go over to his house and whip him. I'm just going to flat take him out right now. There was a mentor he had, a wise old minister, said, Well, you might be able to whip a skunk, but you may not want to, because when you're finished, you'll smell just like him. (laughs) Isn't that true? Don't allow the enemy to lower you to people's level. You're better than that. You're more than that. The greater one's on the inside of you. Say it with me, the love of God God. in me never fails. And don't feel guilty if you felt like punching somebody. And don't feel guilty if you had. Just pray for their healing and go on. Now, I mentioned about getting to the crux of this message. I want to get down to the crux of this message. I want us to look at this for a few moments today. I don't have a long word for you, but I believe I have a transforming word. 
A word that will change you. A word that will help you. And the word of the Lord today is this. That love gives and love forgives. Say that with me. Love gives and love forgives. Now let's work with this for a few moments. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And notice with me in verse 31 and verse 32. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with that and pick that up in a minute. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See, if I was a television preacher, they'd have to edit that. All right. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And let's look at verse 31 and verse 32. How many of you love the book of Ephesians? It's good food. Now, in the fourth chapter, he's talking about the walk of the believer. The first three chapters, the wealth. The last part of the book, the warfare. But now, let's look at something about the walk of the believer. Thank God we're walking with God. So he says in verse 31, he says, Let... All bitterness. How much bitterness? All. He says, let all of it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. What I've just described there in verse 31 is spiritual contraband for the believer. Did you know that if you're bitter on the inside, it's going to show up on the outside? Whatever's in you is going to come out of you. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Amen? And so, he tells us, don't be bitter. John Maxwell says this, he says, you can get better Instead of being bitter. I'd rather be better than bitter any day of the week. How about you? Because if I'm better, bitterness is not going to be springing up and troubling me and bring defilement into my life. But if I'm better, I'm going to be able to enjoy the God kind of the God quality of life. Let all bitterness, anger. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, reverence your husband. Don't come home and take your day out on your wife or your husband. Don't come home and take your frustrations out on your family. You've got to be careful about elbowing one another this morning. (laughs) Ruth Bell Graham says this. She said, a good marriage is the union of two forgivers. That's what a good marriage is. It's a union of two forgivers. Wives, have you ever needed to forgive your husband before? Husbands, you never need, ever needed to forgive your wife before. Keep that in your heart. Keep that in your spirit. Be kind. Be nice to one another. And then he goes on to say, And let all clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word clamor is a very interesting word. Let it go. What clamor means is a loud outcry. A loud uproar or complaining noisily. Complaining noisily. I don't believe that as Christians we have anything to complain about. 
I believe we have something to praise about. Something to rejoice about. Something to be happy about. If we complain, we'll remain. If we praise, we will be raised. How many of you want to be raised? Then we must not be loud, noisy complainers. He says, let it go. Let it go. And in verse 32, and be kind to one another. Love one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has loved the church. Greater love is no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And be kind to one another. Be nice to one another. Tender-hearted. Not hard-hearted. Not tough. Not difficult. Not impossible to get along with. How many of you ever been to a restaurant and had a tough steak? You went out and you spent good money on a New York steak or a ribeye. And you try to cut into that thing, it was like leather. That's the opposite of tender. It was tough. God doesn't want us to be tough inwardly. He doesn't want us to be difficult to get along with. He wants us to be tender-hearted. He wants us to show brotherly love to the brothers. He wants us to love one another, like He said in His Word. Amen? And see, He says, be kind one to another, tender-hearted... Now notice, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has what? Forgiven you. Now notice in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Be therefore followers of love as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Walk in love. How many of you know that love is not a feeling? You don't get love from this world. You don't find out about what love is by reading romance novels. You don't find out about true love by watching As the Stomach Burns. You watch too much of As the Stomach Burns, you'll end up in General Hospital, sure thing. And if you don't take control of your body, and if you're a loose cannon, you'll be watching all my children. (laughs) Kind one to another. Love ain't a feeling. We don't get it from the world. Say with me, love gives gives. and love forgives. forgives. Now listen to this statement. This is worth your drive here today. Forgiven people ought to be forgivers. Forgiven people ought to be forgivers. Anybody been forgiven? Then you ought to forgive. We have no business holding anything against anyone because we are the forgiven. Now we're going to enter in some territory here that, that might be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you. But I believe that by the end of this service, I believe that God's going to do some great things in your life. And he's going to wipe some things clean. Amen? Look with me at Matthew chapter 6. And I want to look at verses 9 through 14. Matthew, the 6th chapter. Notice with me in verses 9 through 14. When you have it, 
Say, I have it. Let's try that again. When you have it, say, I have it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner pray ye therefore, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name is to be hallowed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Amen. Amen. Give us this day whatever we need to eat. Amen. But also give us this day our spiritual meat. Amen. And notice with me in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Everyone say amen. Amen. But here's verse 14, what I want you to see. But if we forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Now we see in the context of Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 14 that sin is referred to as debt. Amen? And I don't believe that verse 14 has been talked about enough. We see a case in verse 14 where it says that God will not forgive. He said in verse 14, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your father, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. The question I have for you is when won't God forgive? He won't forgive when we don't forgive. How in the world would that affect us? If we refuse to forgive, if we know to forgive, if we know to release, if we know to let go, how can that affect a spirit-filled Christian? I'll tell you how it can affect people. There's people that are in the graves today because they went to the grave with unforgiveness in their heart. They went to the grave with strife in their heart. There's preachers that have dropped dead in their pulpits because they refuse to forgive. There's marriages that have been broken because they refuse to forgive. There are people that ended up in mental institutions for their whole life because they refused to forgive. We, as people of God, have no business delving into unforgiveness. Listen to this statement. He who cannot forgive others break the bridge over which he must help himself must pass. For every man has a need to be forgiven. There is Tons of things weighing on your love walk. It's much more serious than we realize. Faith will not work in an unforgiving heart. For faith worketh by love. How many of you are interested in walking in divine health? Walking in divine life? Living long and living strong? Well, the Bible says, 
if you keep my commandments and you obey them, I will allow none of the diseases which I have permitted upon the Egyptians to come upon you because I am the Lord that healeth you. Now that's Old Testament, but the new commandment is the commandment of love. I believe that as we busy ourselves about obeying the commandment of love, it closes the door on sickness and disease. It closes the door on the enemy. How many of you remember Ronald Reagan? Well, Patty Davis, her, his daughter, said that her dad made a lasting impression on her the day after the assassination attempt of 1982. The following day, Patty said, my father Ronald Reagan said he knew his physical healing was directly dependent on his ability to forgive John Hinckley. By showing me, she said, that forgiveness is the key to everything, including physical health and healing, he gave me an example of Christ-like thinking. There's a lot hanging on my love walk. There's a lot hanging on your love walk. Dear brothers, dear sisters, it's not worth your trouble to hold on to the hurts of the past. By the Spirit of God, I'm saying today that there are many today that need to let some things go. And in letting these things go, you will be released. In releasing others, they'll come a savre deste pasto. There'll come a freedom in your life that you've not experienced before. A liberty in your soul, a liberty in your life, and a liberty in your physical being. I will do great things if you will do what I've called you to do. And that's release. Listen to this. This is from the quote letter, December 1996. Clara Barton. Clara Barton was the founder of the Red Cross. She was reminded one day of a vicious deed that someone had done to her years before. But she acted if she had never heard of the incident. And her friend, her close friend says, don't you remember it? Don't you remember it? Clara said, no. Came Barton's reply. I distinctly remember forgetting it. I distinctly remember forgetting it. I hear the Apostle Paul saying, forgetting those things that are behind. And pressing on to those things which are before. For I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not going to let my past hinder me. I'm not going to let what I did and who I was hinder me. I'm going to move in. I'm going to move on to higher heights in Him. And I believe that God's got higher heights for this church. And God's got higher heights for you as a person. Hallelujah! I thank God for the Word of God. The Word of God will save your life. It'll clean you up. 
It'll convert your soul. Now, here's what gives place to the enemy in our lives. Is strife and unforgiveness. Ephesians 4.27 says this. He says, neither give place to the devil. So the mere fact that Paul said, don't give the devil any place, means that I can give the devil a place. And the word place there in the Greek is topos. We get our English word topography from it. And so what Paul is saying, don't give the enemy one inch on the map of your life. Because if you give him place, you give him access to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's why the devil is constantly trying to stir stupid stuff up. I've seen it in the ministry. People falling out over stupid doctrinal things. Supernatural relationships broken because they chose to disagree without being disagree. I mean, they chose to disagree and sever relationships. Those things ought not to be. I've seen marriages split and broke. People that God put together supernaturally because they let these little nickel and dime things in their relationships. The Bible says that the little foxes spoil the vines. Now, don't think that this message is too simple for you today. This is a message that will change our lives and keep us strong and keep us healthy and keep us full of joy. Because just as strife and unforgiveness gives access to the enemy, walking in love and walking in the Spirit gives our Heavenly Father access to to open the floodgates of heaven to keep you strong, to keep you healthy. I know I'm shouting, but I just can't help it. Hallelujah! I just hear some doors shut. I can hear it in the Spirit. Someone comes to your door and they get rude and insistent about trying to sell you something you don't want to buy and you be kind and they keep being insistent. In the Spirit, of course. It's serious business when we don't forgive. Paul dealing with the church at Corinth in the first in the first book of Corinthians, there was a man that was sleeping with his stepmother. And this was a man that was a leader in the church, and Paul corrected the church over it. Then in 2 Corinthians, he commends them for dealing with it, and then for making it right, and then forgiving the person. But Paul addressed something that's very important, and I believe that it's appropriate for this message here. He said in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Give him no place. Give him no leverage. Unforgiveness is is a device of the enemy. Now in closing this, I want you to turn to Luke 17. I told you I didn't have a long word. But it's a good word. In Luke chapter 17, 
And I, I, I want to I look at this. Hallelujah. Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley, who's been on television for years. Andy's got a mega church in Atlanta. He said something very powerful. He says that forgiveness is simply a decision to cancel a debt. It is simply a decision to cancel a debt. This forgiveness is a choice. You can choose to release someone. You can choose to forgive. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 3, here's what the master said about it. Jesus said in Luke 17, he said, take heed to yourselves. Okay, we better. Now notice, he said, if thy brother trespass thee against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Verse 4. And if he trespass thee against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him in about 30 days. We need to be quick to forgive, quick to release. I imagine the apostles hearing that probably took a step back seven times. In Matthew, he said, I'm not saying to you seven times in a day. I'm saying you 70 times seven. And that means 490 times in the same day. Somebody says, how could that be possible that you would need to forgive 490 times in the same day? You don't know what kind of persecution they were under. I mean, the doctors of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they hated Jesus. And they hated anyone who had anything to do with him. These guys were constantly facing battles. They were constantly facing difficulties. I mean, when they went to pick Jesus up in the tomb, one of the disciples took his sword out and sliced his ear out. Off. What did Jesus do? Jesus picked it up, put it back, said, be healed. Do you want us to call down fire upon them, Lord? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't know what spirit you're of. For you don't savor the things that be of God, but you savor the things that be of man. If we live according to the traditions of man, and if we live according to the traditions of the world, we'll always yield to the flesh. And have you discovered that your flesh is not saved? Have you discovered that your flesh wants to do the same things that it did before it was born again? That's why Paul said, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Listen, by any means, while I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He didn't call his body the real me. He says it's an it, but I, my spirit, bring this into subjection. In other words, body, you're subject to me. I'm not subject to you. I am not a body. I am a spirit. Amen. I have a soul. I live in a physical body. I am not body ruled. I'm spirit ruled under the control of the Holy Ghost. And I just preach myself happy. Hallelujah. Amen. Probably took a step back. Seven times seven? Remember this, that forgiven people ought to be forgivers. And in verse 5, the apostles did exactly what we probably would have done. 
And the apostles said unto the Lord, Oh, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Everyone say, Oh, Lord. Increase our faith. And this is a revelation that a lot of spirit-filled Christians have not gotten yet, that we must love by faith. We forgive by faith. Faith worketh by love. The Bible talks about being quick to forgive. And the longer that we wait, the harder it's going to get. The longer I hold on to resentment, the deeper that root of bitterness can grow. Listen, friends, the way to get better and not bitter is not to rehearse past situations. Forgive, forget, and go on. If you don't forgive people, they'll have control over your life. If you're tired of the control of someone else's in your life, release them and let them go. Billy Graham said this. He said, in one bold stroke, forgiveness obliterates the past and it permits us to enter the land of new beginnings. In one bold stroke, forgiveness, it obliterates the past. And Pernesa Fadash de la And God has a new season for many of you here today. God has some new beginnings for your life. Let go of the old, release the past, and leave it there. And know that I am a God whose hand has never left you and is still upon you. And I long to do some great and mighty things for you right now and in your future. For the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. The thoughts that I have for you are good thoughts. Thoughts of good. Thoughts for your benefit so that your outcome may be blessed. It's a new day. It's a new hour. It's a new season. Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Hallelujah.